Welcome to episode five of It's All Relative. Whether you've been already listening or just joining us, thank you so much for being here. As always, we're the Fanspeak.com team and family, and we're excited to cover every corner of the football world with you. We'll cover college, NFL, and fantasy football. I'm Megan, and I'll be your moderator for the show, and I also run Fanspeak.com with my brother, Steve. Let's get right to it and introduce the rest of our Fanspeak team and family. We have brother Steve, who is our Fanspeak resident NFL draft expert and content manager. Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. All right. And we have our cousin Brad, who's Fanspeak's data manager. Brad, how are you tonight? Doing quite all right. All right, guys. Well, let's get right to it. Um, this is fifth episode. We've made it this far. Um, our, our first segment we like to do is, is to kind of summarize the week in football for, for each of us. We like to give our um, a GIF, a movie quote, a TV quote, um, just to, to summarize the week in football. So um, I'll go first, and it's going to be really quick and easy um, because obviously the Redskins, I'll stay on brand here and talk about the Redskins. Um, the Redskins fired Jay Gruden. That was exciting on Monday for Redskins fans. But then they kind of showed how inept they they still are by letting their um, Bruce Allen the, uh, speak um, and have a press conference. And that was just a disaster. And it kind of showed all the flaws. And, and ever since then, you've heard nothing but, you know, horrible stories come out about Jay Gruden or sorry, not Jay Gruden, it's, uh, uh, Bruce Allen and um, the owner, Dan Snyder. And anybody who ever played for him, worked with him, talked to him is every terrible story is is coming out about them. And, you know, you can't unfortunately fire the owner. And we certainly hope that the owner is smart enough to fire um, Bruce Allen and make better front office decisions, but we don't have much faith. So I'm just going to say my movie quote is any line from Dumb and Dumber. Any line applies, like use any line, because I know I know Redskins fans have created a meme um, with the two of them and their faces on um, Jim Carrey and um, who's the other guy? Jeff Daniels. Yeah, there is. So just any line from Dumb and Dumber. That's mine. Redskins. That's our life. Brad, how about you? So I'm actually going to have a song name. Uh, It's a song by James Taylor, and it is Carolina In My Mind. Um, after uh, the Carolina Christian McCaffrey's beat the the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> and um, uh, UNC uh, got their second win in the last 11, 11 appearances down in Atlanta against Georgia Tech, um, keeping the the quest for the coastal alive and well. So nice. nice. Well, I like the I like the song, and you're wearing a Carolina shirt. You're staying you're staying on brand too. Always. Always, exactly. Well, congrats, and I also like the name, the Carolina Christian McCaffrey's. Nice. <laughs> All right, Steve, what's your movie quote line for the week? Well, mine's about the uh, the Jay Gruden firing as well, and it's uh, <laughs> Jerry Maguire, who's coming with me? And I think, oh, I think you could look nice. at it two ways. One, some other Redskins coaches should have been fired and gone with them. Or two... I think Jay Gruden's looking at uh, Dan Quinn and a few other coaches around the league and saying, who's coming with me? Because I'm not going to be the only one fired uh, with some of the poor performances we're seeing week to week in, week out with uh, some coaching out there in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about last week. We were right. Jay Gruden's first. And you guys were right that it looks like I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Quinn is much too far behind. 
Well, guys, let's before we jump into NFL, let's uh, go to our college football segment. As always, we're going to summarize the past week of college football, and Brad's going to look at the team um, viewpoint and take a look at some key stats for you guys to focus on, kind of give a uh, summary of some team stats that are interesting. And Steve's going to look at the player side and, and NFL draft prospects. So, Brad, what were three key team stats that really stood out to you this weekend? Um, so the first one, I looked ahead at a, a matchup this weekend. I think I believe it's game day is the uh, Florida LSU game. Okay. And um, when you think Florida LSU, you think, you know, heavy running teams, um, especially on first down, kind of ground and pound, defense first teams. Well, LSU and Florida are both top five in passing on first down. Um, they have changed their approach a little bit. This year, um, especially LSU, who has a, a quarterback who can who can throw now, um, I thought that was very interesting. I did not realize that. Um, yeah. And you know, they've been scoring a ton of points this year. And this game, hopefully, there's more points in this one as well. Um, <laughs> another uh, stat I was looking at is another matchup. It's a, a game for tonight. Um, it is the App State uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette game. Um, get some fun belt action in the middle of the week. Right. Um, App State is a uh, top 10 in third down conversion rate in uh, all of the nation. And then uh, Lafayette is actually the number one rush offense in the oh, wow. nation with over 300 yards per game. Um, now, those are two key things that help any team win in any situation, having a good run offense and converting your third downs. And these yeah. two teams are the top of their divisions in the Sun Belt, and they're both very quality, te- high quality teams. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, who wins out in this game. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll jump in and say good luck to App State. Brad is yeah. a state alumni. So. My beloved New Year's. Um, <laughs> Got to go undefeated. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, Wait, what are they called? I called them Nears, short for Mountaineers. Oh, near. Okay, I was yeah. like, wait, what is their nickname? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's what we say, I guess. Okay, gotcha. And then um, my last stat, I actually found this interesting because I had just seen Lafayette as the number one rushed offense in the nation, but um, you know, Ohio State is three and Oklahoma's four. They're pretty much the same at about 288 yards per game. And I thought that was very interesting since, you know, Oklahoma tends to have a very heavy passing oriented offense. And Ohio State, you know, they, Dwayne Haskins last year threw for 50 touchdowns. You know, that doesn't really scream almost 300 yards rushing. But I also found this interesting because if these teams can keep up this level of rushing, they have two of some of the better quarterbacks in the nation and Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts that, you know, it gives them so much more. It opens up the field for them to throw the ball and makes their throws easier to make and makes the the whole offense that much more dangerous. And, you know, those two teams have really looked good. You know, some consider them the three and four kind of in the the playoff race. And, um, you know, they keep that up. I don't see why they aren't. Sure. Right. Well, I like it. Steve, do you have any feedback on the stats that, uh, interesting stats that Brad provided? Oh, I think those are all uh, very interesting stats, and we didn't plan it, but it kind of segues perfectly into what I was looking to talk about. 
Nice. Uh, well, I'll let you go. <laughs> in terms of recapping prospects this weekend, that's running backs. Uh, you know, we definitely think of the NFL as a pass-first league, but uh, as Brad mentioned with the Carolina Christian McCaffreys, uh, <laughs> running backs can still make quite an impact in, in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I wanted to highlight a couple this week, and one that I think can hi- be highlighted for both his contributions running and receiving is DeAndre Swift from Georgia. You know, Georgia had a cakewalk win over Tennessee. Uh, everyone knew that was coming. But DeAndre Swift, 72 yards on the ground and a touchdown, plus another 72 receiving. That's big as we see these backs like McCaffrey, Kamara, uh, Sa- Saquon Barkley, etc. When you can do both, you can make a huge impact in the NFL. And, you know, Swift is splitting carries. He's a junior. He's splitting carries in this powerful Georgia offense. Um, but it just shows his well-rounded ability and the impact he can make. And two other backs I want to mention who had huge games, Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins had a just a fantastic game, uh, like 170-plus yards, um, multiple touchdowns. He's just running away with the team this season. And, uh, you know, last year he actually caught the ball more with Haskins. They're not throwing as much this year. We'll see how that progresses throughout the rest of the season. And the final guy is uh, the number one back in most people's eyes is Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin. Um, just another fantastic game, four touchdowns, uh, just absolutely dominating. Um, he's probably the one back who will go in the first round, and it's easy to see why with just how well he's dominating the college football season. Well, you, you beat me to my question. I was just going to ask if any were projected to go first round. So probably just him at this point. I think at this point, but it could be another strong year of, you know, three or four in the second, three or four in the third, guys who can contribute early. I mean, with running back, a lot also depends on who comes out. It's very much an underclassman position, so Mm -hmm. uh, it's sometimes tough to predict who who makes the jump. But there are a number of good potential backs right now, and we'll see who who all comes out. I would say Taylor's probably the only first-rounder. Uh, and also some of that is team needs. I mean, a lot of teams have drafted running backs high in recent years, so they're not as inclined to go back down that well again. Um, and we already know going forward, you know, you have a Chargers situation where either Eckler or Gordon is going to be the running back next year. The other one's going to be a free agent and a top free agent on the market. So uh, there aren't a lot of huge need projected needs right now at the running back position. Well, why is that that um, the running back position does seem to be very underclassman heavy in the draft? Is it because, like, running backs, you know, want to save them, their miles kind of? I've noticed that the senior bowler doesn't seem to be the top names. Yeah, I think I think it's a couple things. I think uh, that's an easy thing is that running backs, why, why load up on 300 carries in a college football year when you can go to the NFL? Uh, it's also more high contact, high injured position. So, you know, we see situations where backs get injured in college and then they're never the same. Um, and that's why you have seen guys like, uh, you know, Fournette and McCaffrey and others who skipped their bowl game because they were running mm-hmm. back and they knew that the risk was greater for them. Um, and the, the biggest thing is, I think it's just, the easiest position for anyone to transition into the NFL. This is why we see not just first, second, and even third rounders make the jump in year one, year two, 
I mean, look at an Aaron Jones. He was, what, a six-round pick, a fifth, six-round pick. Chris Carson was a six-round pick. Uh, Alfred Morris a few years ago was a six-round pick. I mean, he had 1,600 yards as a rookie. Like, it's extremely easy to make the jump uh, from the college level to the NFL level at running back, uh, especially if you have had any sort of catching uh, ability in your college career. Um, You know, so I think... for a lot of positions, as we see with quarterbacks and receivers, uh, offensive line, you know, you want to see them develop. You want to see them learn in college. In in uh, with running backs, you don't have that that big jump of either physical development, like offensive defensive linemen, or mental development, like corners, receivers, quarterbacks, uh, that you really want to see at the college level. No, that's a great point. That makes perfect sense. Are there any other, I, I like the running back segment and the segue, but are there any other um, non-running backs uh, that you wanted to speak of that were really on the rise after this past weekend? Uh, this week didn't have, I would say, as, as many major um, performances. Uh, one guy that we talked about a couple weeks, and Brad mentioned him as well, is Joe Burrow, quarterback for LSU, and Justin Jefferson, his top receiver, for LSU, they had another huge week. Uh, that was against Utah State. They will be more challenged this week. This is a huge game for both of them. If they once again rise to the occasion, as they've done all season, including in a couple tough matchups, they are both cementing their status for uh, high draft uh, draft picks. Um, you know, when they're <clears throat> when they come out. I mean, Jefferson's a junior; he may or may not come out, but he's obviously off to a great start this year. And Burrow is probably been the one of the talk of quarterbacks of his performance. I mean, just night and day from what he, his preseason projection was. Is he a senior? Would he be at the senior bowl potentially? Uh, yes, I believe he could, uh, he'd be at the senior bowl right now. Um, there are a number of quarterbacks who'd be there, but I, I don't see why he wouldn't be invited. So he's sure. just well, as you guys know, we cover the Senior Bowl live every year. We're excited to do so again this year. And as you also hopefully know, um, you should check out On the Clock, our mock draft simulator. Steve just did the data update, big board update today. Um, there's the updated draft order, an updated big board. So it's fun to check out and learn about prospects. So check out On the Clock um, anywhere on fanspeak.com. All right, guys, let's move on to NFL, our point counterpoint. Uh, we got um, four hot topics to talk about today. Um, the first one being what Steve and I are most passionate about. Um, I spoke of the firing of Jay Gruden, um, the Redskins firing him on Monday. His key did not work, <laughs> as he said. Um, if the key works, he'll keep coaching. It did not work. He got fired at 5 a.m. a.m. Monday morning. Um, Redskins fans were happy, but as I mentioned, um, we have Dumb and Dumber um, with uh, Snyder and Allen. Um, so it's not a desirable position. We know that. Um, and they we can't count on them to make a, a right decision of, of who the coach should be in, in 2020. But if you were Dan Snyder, Steve, um, and you, I trust that you would make a better decision than Dan Snyder. Who would, who do you think is the best fit for the Redskins coach in 2020? Well, I think the top of my short list would be Eric the enemy um, coach, uh, offense coach for the, uh, the Kansas city chiefs right now. Um, you know, he's a longtime player in the league. He has been in the Andy Reid system a couple of years mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, that that offense is definitely an offense you want to learn from. 
I just don't think uh, he would come here is what it boils down to, because I'm sure, you know, we're going to see five or six job openings uh, as we do pretty much. We, we see between five and seven a year typically. And Redskins are probably not going to be the most favorable opening and he'll probably be one of the, the top two or three options. So the chances of him actually coming to DC, I think would be very small, but he would be at the top of my short list. Sure. Just before I ask Brad, um, just because as Redskins fans, we kind of hear, you know, the back, the background and what beat writers are saying. Um, a lot of people like Kevin O'Connell, who will now be um, a play caller um, and the offensive coordinator for the Redskins. I mean, it's hard as a Redskins fan to know if we want to tank or um, and and or see a little success. But if there was some success, would would you like to see him become the offense or become the head coach? Um, you know, I don't think it should really be about their success or lack thereof the rest of this season. Um, they have so many things working against them between their schedule, their lack of talent, <laughs> likely eventually trying to break in a rookie quarterback. Uh, I, and, you know, I think it's tough to judge. You know, we see with a lot of interim coaches who might look good and then they get the full gig and then they don't look good. So I wouldn't judge it any which way. And we are, already know that Bill Callahan's talking about establishing the run and running more. Uh, that's not really something you do when your offensive line is this bad, when your running backs are averaging something like two yards a carry. Um, I don't think establishing runs the answer uh, for fixing this, and I don't think it it helps put the Redskins in any sort of better position. I think the only thing it potentially helps is instead of thirty three to seven blowouts, they're twenty to seven blowouts because you've eaten some time off the clock from the opponent. Um, that's about it, and I I think Kevin O'Connell could deserve a shot if you think he is the real deal, uh, but. It's going to be a tough situation for whoever takes over because there's a there's a lot of issues going on in D.C. right now, and they don't seem to be fixed with the Trent uh, Williams situation not likely to be resolved before next season. Um, you know, who knows what you do if you have a, one of the top picks and one of these rookie quarterbacks is there and you have Dwayne Haskins. Is this another Arizona Cardinal situation where you then trade your first round quarterback one year after drafting them. So there's, there's going to be a lot that needs to be figured out. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brad, your turn, you're Daniel Snyder. Who do you think is the best fit for the Washington Redskins coach of 2020 or sorry, 2020. <laughs> I, I was looking at some of the favorites to potentially land the job. And um, one of the names that stuck out was Jim Caldwell. Um, he's a bit more of a no nonsense kind of guy. And, uh, I mean, is like just focuses on all the little details and holds people accountable, which is something that would be nice in Washington. And yeah, that's a great um, word. He's he's done pretty well as a as a coach. You know, having successful Detroit Lions teams is not an easy feat for anyone. <laughs> um, and he's a bit more defensive minded, which hasn't really been the theme for coaches in Washington. So. Mm -hmm. I thought that would have been at least be at least an interesting fit and would be a very different coach than what they normally have there. So that's a great although point. I, I don't think that's what he'll go with because I don't think um, Dan Snyder can control Jim Caldwell as easily as some other guys. But yeah, um, I thought I thought that could be a, a good fit, um, kind of a culture change in Washington. 
Well, I like I like the answer because I, I like it. it's something different than what we've done. We I know Steve's always kind of preferred they go defensive minded, but he always goes offensive uh, usually, and he always wants the whatever the hot name is. So um, no, I, I like that answer. And there does need to be a culture change. Um, so speaking of bad teams, the Redskins play the Dolphins this Sunday, and there are a lot of and a lot of the winless teams do play each other this season. So between the Dolphins, Redskins, Bengals, and Jets. Who do you think is truly most likely to get the number one overall pick, Brad? Um, so, yeah, I was, I was going to mention that they, the Dolphins play all three of those other teams. Yes. Um, I think they probably lose all three of those games. I think the Dolphins will get the first overall pick. I think the Jets, you know, I don't think they're as bad as 0-4, um, especially without Darnold. Yeah, um, now that Darnold's I, coming back. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, you know, run the table or anything, but they're, they're better than 0-4. Yeah, um, and then the Redskins and Bengals—they're—they're they're tough to figure out because you know, if AJ Green does come back, there's no reason for him to. But you know, they—they they have talent on offense. Um, they have a good defensive line, and they gotta tr- just try at this point. Same thing with the Redskins—they—they they have an okay team. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and, Are you but, laughing at the fact that they have an okay team? Yeah, because I don't. I mean, they're not as bad as the Dolphins, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, they've looked very disinterested in the past two weeks, along with the Bengals. It's like they don't care. And, you know, if they don't care, I don't care how talented you are. You know, you're not going to win a game. But I think they can win more because both of those teams are more talented than the Dolphins. And, I mean, the Dolphins' goal is to tank. tank. I mean, they've made it very clear what their goal is and – I, I think they get the number one overall pick. Sure. Steve, do you agree? I do think the Dolphins are the worst team on paper. Um, and they are probably the team most likely to trade people away before the trade deadline uh, next, you know, next week. So that works in their favor as well. Um, but I, I think it's maybe a closer race. Um, you know, from the Redskins perspective, they do have the Dolphins and Jets on their schedule the rest of the way. Other than that, you're talking about 49ers at Vikings, at Bills, Cowboys and Eagles again. And you do have the Giants again, but um, you, you have a really, really tough schedule uh, the rest of the way. Carolina um, at Carolina, you know, these are not winnable games by any stretch. And likely it's going to get worse before it gets better because they are eventually going to turn to Dwayne Haskins. And as we saw, you're going to expect a lot of growing pains, as we should expect. He didn't start mm-hmm. a lot in college. Uh, so this is this is kind of like an extra college year for him um, with a very advanced course of the NFL. So, uh, you know, if the Redskins don't win this game against the Dolphins or this game against the Jets, it's tough to see where other wins come. Um and with the Bengals, their team, there's been some talk there that they would maybe trade A.J. Green, maybe trade a few other pieces. Uh, you know, we just saw them. They made it close at the end versus the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are a really bad football team. And that first half, Cincinnati was terrible. I think Andy Dalton had like 50 yards passing uh, in that game. So, you know, like they, Tyler, he and Tyler Boyd made it interesting in the second half, but boy, this is a team that, is going to struggle and struggle quite a bit. So I think the Dolphins are the worst on paper, but 
but we've also seen them play a little better since they turned to Josh Rosen. And I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Rosen steals a win or two, and it could be this week. So uh, I do agree the Jets are probably the best of this four teams mm-hmm. once Darnold's back. And, uh, you know, they, I think, are a, still a bad team and probably like a four or five win team when it's all said and done. But um, I think uh, Dolphins, Redskins, Bengals, it's a bit of a toss up. I'd say if you're if you're given percentages, I think Dolphins are maybe 45%, Redskins 25%, you know, Bengals 20%, and the rest to to um, the Jets. So it's not it's not pretty for these teams, that's for sure. Yeah, it's hard as a Redskins fan to know what to root for this this weekend if you want to tank or I mean I guess you do want to tank, but you know, or if you want to I don't know see hope or life, but Anyways, let's move on to another team that is um, uh, had very high expectations going into the season, but um, but after a Monday night football loss, um, is a lot of questions are going ar- around about the state of the Browns. Um, so who's to blame? Is it is it the coaching? Is it Freddie Freddie Kitchens, their head coach? Is it Baker Mayfield? Is it management? Is it just bad luck with injuries? Um, you know, Steve, who do you think is to blame, and can they turn this around? Uh, I think it's a little of everyone. Um, you know, I think it, it's a bit of hubris. I mean, this is a team who, uh, you know, kind of traded one of their better offensive linemen, Kevin Zeitler, to the Giants for Olivier Vernon and didn't really replace him. Um, their offensive line's a mess. They did not fix that. Everyone knew that going into the draft. Everyone knew going into the offseason. They didn't really do anything to address it. Uh, especially at the tackle position. I mean, there were some rumors that they were in on Tunsil, that they were, you know, made some overtures for Trent Williams, but they didn't get Tunsil, and Trent Williams is still holding out from the Redskins. So uh, we saw Baker Mayfield pay the price. I mean, um, he's been under a lot of pressure this year, and when teams have gotten to him and gotten pressure on him, that offense has looked very ordinary. And when they're not blocking well, Nick Chubb is not doing anything. And we see the upside that these guys have when they have time or when Nick Chubb has a little bit of blocking. Uh, This can be a very potent offense with Beckham, with Landry, um, you know, and and Baker and Chubb. That's a good group right there. Their offensive line's a mess, and they knew it and just didn't really do much to fix it. And if anything, made it worse by trading away Zeitler. So... Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's kind of uh, they thought they could pe- patch together an offensive line, and I feel like that was a big mistake that they made, particularly knowing that the types of teams that they'd have to beat to go far this year um, in the AFC and, of course, some of these top teams in the NFC as well that have top-level defenses, top-level front, front fours or, or pass rushers to get after the quarterback. Sure. Well, before we get Brad's um, take, do you think they can turn this around? Um, I'll be interested to see if they try and acquire some offensive line help for the deadline. I think they need it. I I think, you know, the games that I've watched so far, that's been their biggest issue. Their defense has generally played well, um, but when they get in, get down, then it starts to struggle. Um, Baker, Baker's play has been very much tied to the offensive line performance. So that's something they need to fix. And I don't know, it might be too little too late at this point. Yeah. 
Brad, who do you think is to blame for the Browns' struggles, and do you think they can turn it around? Um, I, I'm going to mostly agree with uh, Steve and kind of say it's a culmination of all the issues you mentioned. Um, right. But I think I'm going to uh, point towards Freddie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I go on to that, I want to mention um, how Steve was talking about the, how bad the offensive line was. Two things. Baker is third in the NFL for holding on the ball too, too long. Mm. Um, second, if you count that Fitzpatrick doesn't play anymore. Um, <laughs> um, Kirk Cousins is number one, if you guys want, wanted to know. So having a bad offensive line and holding on to the ball too long is a very bad recipe. Recipe Along for disaster, with, yeah. Another thing is when you try and block Nick Bosa one-on-one with a tight end, bad things will happen. You know, that's that's a, a scheme issue. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think Freddie's kind of at fault. Um, I think the play calling is also kind of not optimizing their their player personnel. Right. Like, you know you have a bad offensive line. Why are you making Baker drop seven steps? Yeah. I mean, sometimes seven steps is because he's already running away from someone <laughs> like Nick Bosa. But, you know, he can't hang on to the ball for too long or it's 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 going to be a disaster. And you got to, you know, deflect the the brunt force of the of the bad offensive line um, by, you know, coming up with more creative ways to get the ball out quicker. Um, also, play calling, you know, against the Rams, was it Monday night a couple weeks ago? Yeah, Sunday was, night or Monday night, yeah. It was like it was definitely fourth, prime and, time. fourth and long, and it was like a draw. Yeah. Draw play. That, <laughs> yeah. That's just egregious. And yes. Like, you couldn't have seriously thought that was going to be a good idea. Um, so... <laughs> That's just one of the, one example, but I, I think he's kind of to blame a little bit more than, um, you know, you can blame injuries all you want, but you still have a lot of your best players out there playing. Um, so right. I, as far as turning it around, you know, head coaches tend to be pretty stubborn. They don't change their play calling a lot very often unless there's a squeaky wheel um, and then it changes for a game and then, you know, it'll probably go back to the norm. Right. Um, but also, if they do acquire, like Steve was saying, some offensive linemen to at least sure up a little bit, um, you know, that could that could help as well. But you know, it, it I, I won't believe until I see any sort of improvement. Sure. Yeah. Well, I like how you stayed on brand and, and mentioned some interesting stats because those were both interesting as well. I'm here. <laughs> That's why you're here. That's right. Uh, let's talk about the other team from Monday Night Football who looked the exact opposite. I mean, the 49ers looked for real, and they're sitting at 4-0, and they're in a very tough division with the, the Seahawks. Um, but do you think the San Francisco 49ers can make a run to win the NFC? Um, Steve, I'll let you go first. What do you What do you think? You know, I, I think it's possible. I mean, we've seen them play really well this year, not just in that game, Um Every game they played well. In fact, in hindsight, looking back to that Steeler game with Mason Rudolph, that's actually very impressive how close the Steelers kept that game. Um, but you know, you're the 49ers who they hadn't, they really have not been challenged so far. Um, so that caveat is should be out there um, at Buccaneers, at Bengals, then home Steelers and Browns. This week at the Rams, that'll be a big challenge. At the Redskins, I think we know where that game's going to go. <laughs> and then versus the Panthers. So they they have a chance to 
you know, if they take if they beat either the Rams or the Panthers, which is doable, they they could be five and one through six games. Then it's then it's Cardinals, Seahawks, Cardinals. Even if they lose that game to the Seahawks, you're talking about an eight and two start. Yeah. Um, they do have a tough back end of the schedule where they face the Packers, they face the Ravens, Saints, uh, who by then Drew Brees should be back, um, and then Rams and Seahawks again to close out with the Falcons thrown in the mix. But I think this team, you know, I think we'll learn a lot this week versus the Rams, but that defense has just been shut out, shut down elite defense. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had to, I feel like, win a game yet, so it'll be interesting to see if he can do that. Uh, when they need him to, he's played well. Um, I think their pass catching catchers are the weakest part of the team, but their running backs doesn't matter who gets the ball. It's been success, whether it's Matt Burita, who I do think is the most talented back, but Tevin Coleman's shown well, Raheem Mostert has shown well, and so is Jeff Wilson. So it doesn't matter who gets the ball. Kyle Shanahan is just making them look great. Um, mm-hmm. I do think Burita should be kind of that featured back or that 60% back on this team. Uh, so I, I expect them to be very run, uh, uh, very efficient with the run going forward. It will be interesting to see if in a couple of these games it might turn into a shootout and if Jimmy Garoppolo can win that type of game. Um, like I said, they haven't really been challenged. The Steelers have given them their biggest challenge so far, and that was with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. So uh, right. we'll see going forward. But I like them, and I think – I think they are very much in the mix. I mean, to me, that defense is going to give teams like the Packers, like the Rams, like the Seahawks some problems. And, yeah. uh, you know, like that that front was good before they got Bosa because they had already traded for D Ford. They have all those other interior guys they've been acquiring the past couple of years in the draft. They can get after the quarterback with anyone. Their defensive backs are better than expected. Their linebacker play has been good. Um, I think that defense is really legit, and I think it could carry them pretty far. What do you think, Brad? Do you agree? Do you think the 49ers are for real on a team that, you know, a favorite in the NFC? I'm leaning towards yes, and <laughs> I was, I was going to bring up the same same point about the next five or so games, that three of them, Rams, Panthers, Seahawks, and then you have Washington, Arizona. Um, but that five game stretch you know if they at least win three games there uh in, in include the arizona game afterwards that's you know eight and two and that's i mean how many teams go eight and two and don't make the playoffs right um and i i think the stretch will also determine if they are you know elite slash division winners or if they are you know wild card because right as of now i don't see how they they don't make the wild card unless you know Jimmy G just doesn't show up for anything, or they have injuries. Because um, the defense is good, that that offense has been getting people open left and right. The running backs have, you know, every single hole possible. You know, the uh, Mike Shanahan is like Sean McVay two years ago with how creative he's getting these guys open and how well that offense is running. Granted, you know, the best team they played was. I guess Tampa now, since we just bashed the, the Browns pretty bad, um, <laughs> claimed that they were inept. But you know, either team, Bucks or Browns, aren't that great. So it'll be very interesting this up, upcoming week to, to see how well they do against you know a real offense um, and some a better defense. 
Yeah. No, you and you guys both make good points, and it will be interesting to see if Garoppolo can can win a game too. Um, all right, guys, let's switch gears to fantasy football takes. Um, as as always, we talk uh, based a little bit on on DraftKings scoring because that's what the three of us like to play. We obviously play season long and other stuff, but we we are big um, fans of playing on DraftKings. So um, let's talk first. Um, as as the as Brad knows, the Christian McCaffrey's are in London, so they are not on the main slate. So which two high-end running backs would you trust the most for cash games or, or high stakes without CMC on the main slate, Brad? Um, so uh, the first guy is Alvin Kamara. Um, you just saw what McCaffrey did. <laughs> I'm not expecting 45, 47 points from Kamara, but, um, you know, the Jacks should keep it close. It's not going to be a blowout or anything. Um, Kamara's going to get 20-plus touches. Um he had, what, seven or eight targets last week? And, you know, if you told me that the, the Saints were going to score 24 points, I'd put 100 bucks. Kamara scoring a touchdown. He didn't score one last week, but, you know, I don't think he stays out of the end zone this week. I and, agree. Uh, especially if Teddy Bridgewater can keep um, throwing the ball down the field like he was this past week and be successful. Because I think that was what was really holding the offense back when he first started playing. So I, I like Kamara and a good matchup and should get a lot of work. The other guy I want to highlight is David Johnson. Um, Do you think he plays? I think he's trending towards playing. Yeah, I think, it's, it's, I, I think I'm leaning towards the playing. Um, yeah. So I guess if he does play, the matchup could be better. He's, David Johnson has gotten, you know, 25 touches. I think he got 25 plus touches last week. Tons of targets. Um, he's just completely involved in the whole offense, which they want to they want to move. And um, Atlanta, everyone says this every single week they play any sort of competent pass catching running back is that they tend to funnel all the work into the pass catching running back. And um, like McCaffrey last year, I think he had 10 catches over over 100 yards. Um, I'm not saying TJ is going to get that, but I think the possibility of, you know, getting 80 rushing yards and 60 receiving yards is very high and should be a relatively high-scoring game. So, Yeah, we're seeing a pattern with the Atlanta defense. They're fun to target. Yeah. So, so Steve, what do you think? Um, who are your, with, with McCaffrey off the main slate, who are your two top running backs that you trust? I definitely really like Kamara. Uh, David Johnson, you know, the injury definitely concerns me. Atlanta does have that uh, that history with pass catching running backs. It hasn't been as bad this year, I think, somewhat due to matchups. You know, Tennessee doesn't really have that part of their offense, and you know, a few other teams. Yeah. Um, so uh, the guy I'm going to go with is the top guy, and that's that's uh, Zeke Elliott. Um, you know, last week. Didn't turn out as expected, but that's because the Cowboys got in the hole early. I mean, he still averaged 5.2 yards a carry. He had four targets, uh, ended up with 17 DK points. You know, he's not going to get only 12 attempts in this game. I do worry that it is such a blowout that he gets pulled early, and but Pollard is banged up. So, um, you know, Cowboys, they need a win. Um, these last couple weeks have been a little rough for them. So I expect them to ride Zeke hard early and often. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at like a 
120-yard rushing game, two touchdowns, a couple of catches, and you know, maybe 20 to 40 yards through the air as well. So uh, I think you could look at a pretty good high 20s, 30-point game from him from a fantasy standpoint. Does it make you nervous that he hasn't quite, well, not, he hasn't lived up to kind of expectations a few weeks in a row? Um, you know, that Saints game, I, that was surprising uh, that how well the Saints defense came together. Um, you know, and I also think those first two weeks, or, or, you know, those first couple weeks when he was the quote-unquote starter, he did have over 100 yards. He did have a touchdown versus the Redskins but he didn't have any passing game involvement that we've seen an uptick these past two weeks in the passing game work. Uh, and I just think now that he's further and further from that holdout, he's probably fully up to speed, fully up to his pr- same practice self as you would expect. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like the training wheels are off and I think uh, not that I really expect the jets to give him much, uh, much of a problem, but, Cowboys can't afford to be lax here. You know, the Eagles have caught up to them. As we've talked about before, the NFC is extremely competitive this year. You have multiple divisions with three or four teams being competitive. Uh, the wild card race is going to is going to be tough. So the Cowboys have to go all in. And I think you got to ride Zeke. And um, I, I would expect them to do that this week. Okay. Um, now let's talk about comparing players um, from the quarterback position. Who do you think scores the more DraftKings points this week? Mahomes? Well, I guess we got to see if Patrick Mahomes is fully healthy. But let's say if Patrick Mahomes is fully cleared and healthy. Um, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Um, Brad, who, who scores the more, more DraftKings points this week? I think Lamar has the higher ceiling. And I okay. think there's more of a chance he scores a higher, higher amount. Um, I, I think it's due mainly to rushing ability, and I think he could easily get over the 100 mark, get the mm-hmm. bonus, and, you know, get a rushing touchdown. I just think um, Mahomes, his matchup, I don't... It, it looks, on paper, it looks like it should be a a shootout. I mm-hmm. mean, you just saw uh, Houston throw 53. Right. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like that, but I also wouldn't be shocked if it was, you know, a 27 to you know 17 game and McCoy scores two touchdowns you know um I mean Mahomes probably has the higher floor and it's I mean it also depends on if Tyreek and Sammy play right I don't think I don't think Mr. Pringle is gonna get <laughs> you know was it 100 yards and a touchdown again or yeah it was over a great game yeah but um I I just I think it depends on Mahomes' receivers being healthy and obviously him. Right. But I, I think Lamar has the potential to have the bigger game. Yeah, we saw what Kyler Murray did against the Bengals, and that's that's who he's facing. Steve, who who has more DraftKings points this week, Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Um, I mean, I, I'm tempted to say Deshaun Watson, but no. Uh, <laughs> I, you I'm, can say C, other. <laughs> I'm actually going to go Mahomes. Uh, you know, I, I could definitely see Jackson. I think Jackson will, will have a very good game. Uh, but it also could be a bit of a blowout game. And I don't know if it'll be a blowout like week one versus the Dolphins where he was like, what, 18 of 20 and threw for all those touchdowns. Like, I, I'm not going to be shocked if he gets the rushing yard bonus. But 
is how many touchdowns is he going to get running, receiving? I'm sure there'll be a couple, um, but I feel like Mahomes, you're talking about a guy who has gotten 300 yards every week, and these last two weeks he's one combined touchdown. Some of it is, as Brad mentioned, the receivers have been a little banged up, not there. Um, Hill's been out for a while now. Uh, but I, I just feel like, <laughs> as crazy as it is to say, Mahomes is actually due positive touchdown regression. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel I like... I just heard that on another podcast today. That's I feel like this could be a four-touchdown week. Uh, you know, Houston's defense, their secondary is bad. Uh, they can get after the quarterback a little bit, but their secondary is bad. And I just feel like, uh, you know, whether it's Hardman and Robinson or whether Sammy's back, Hill's back, whoever's in there, uh, I think Mahomes has a big day. You know, the, his last two games, I think we have seen defenses, the Colts and the Lions, they're, they're two teams that are good at slowing the game down. Uh, they play... Uh, they played good, solid defense. Um, I think people expected that, you know, Mahomes was the exception to the rule and could pick them apart. But I don't think that's the case with the Houston defense. I think they're very susceptible through the air, and I just see Mahomes having a big bounce-back game and that it's at home. I mean, Lamar Jackson's at home as well. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like while well, he'll be fine, I think if I'm shooting for – like a 30, 35 point day. I think Mahomes and Watson are the two quarterbacks I'd look for because I do see this being a shootout. Okay. Um, well, now let's talk receivers and we're staying with the high end guys. Um, last week, I think we probably all played a little bit of these two. Um, Julio Jones and, and DeAndre Hopkins were pretty much a disappointment for their price. So are you going back to the well on either of these plays or both this week, Steve? You know, I, I think you have to, uh, just given matchups. I mean, you have Julio Jones uh, facing Arizona. You know, we talk about every week Arizona on paper is one of the worst secondaries in the league, if not the worst. As I mentioned earlier, Andy Dalton had maybe 50 yards passing in the first half, ends up with two-something, Tyler Boyd over 100 yards, um, you know, due to a huge second half. It's a very exploitable team. You also have a situation where Arizona, they play fast, so it it tends to lead to more plays for the other team. Atlanta's going to throw the ball a lot in this game. I I have um, little fear of that. So I think Julio could be in line for a big game. And Hopkins, same situation. I mean, Kansas City's fast defense is not great. I think you have a situation where this could be a shootout. Sure, it was Fuller this past week, but it easily could be Hopkins this week. You know, I think people... Want to write Hopkins off because since week one, he hasn't dominated, but he did dominate week one. Um, it's going to happen again. He's another guy due for some positive yardage catch and touchdown regression. And this could be the week where he unloads for a, a monster game. Agreed. Um, Brad, do you agree? Are you going back to Julio, Hopkins, both, neither? What is your take, Brad? Um I would definitely say both. Um, I think, like, I mean, pretty much the same thing that Steve just said. I think Julio's (laughs) got a great match, like as good of a matchup as you can possibly get. Right. Um, You know, Atlanta's going to be throwing the ball. They haven't had the greatest success in running. Um, 
And plus, why wouldn't you throw against one of the worst secondaries? Right. And the idea is that the Cardinals will be able to just do the exact same thing to the Falcons. So, you know, if this game doesn't have a ton of plays and uh, both teams don't score over, you know, 25, 30 points, I'd be on the more surprised side. Um, I, I mean, I just think Julio will get a lot more targets than he has been getting. Um, as, as far as uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think Will Fuller is getting a forty-eight percent of the target share again. Oh, you got forty-eight percent? Um, I knew it was a lot, but I didn't know yeah. it was that much. Yeah, it's uh, that's. I don't think he'll ever do that again in his career. You know, sixteen targets and fourteen catches. I think, you know, if even if you do a third of that to Hopkins, that's makes him his game a lot look a lot better and. I, I don't think Fuller's getting th- three touchdowns again. I mean, right. he he's capable, but you know Hopkins is also very capable. Right. And um, you know, in a higher, once again, that it's a game that's you know projected to be higher scoring, bit of a shootout. You want the best player in it, the best wide receiver, and that's Hopkins clearly. So, I think I think it would be smart to go to these players again, and um, you know they're projected to have some of the, the best games on the slate so yeah well you guys told me I'm, I think I'm going back to both of them and and you know they always say recency bias um as long if you can um not do that sometimes that's where you you can pay off um so I think I'm going to go back to the well on both as well um let's talk about defense really quick there's been these outlier defenses and yet again we had another one last week with the Philadelphia Eagles scored two defensive touchdowns had a an insane amount of sacks and scored over 30 points. I know defense is one of the hardest things to predict in fantasy. There are some things that you can look at to try to predict. Um, so there's no way you can, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's, it has a lot of variables. But Brad, do you see any defenses on this slate that you that you think could get a 20 to 30 point day? Yeah, I think there's a few. Um, the obvious ones are the higher priced ones. I think right. the Cowboys. Against the Jets, you know, Sam Darnold's coming back, and he's going to be very rusty. You know, it's he hasn't played in a couple weeks. Um, you know, some of these quarterbacks that started off slow kind of been able to to play through their their mistakes and you know getting caught up, and he hasn't really been able to catch up. He kind of has to start all over again. And I I can kind of see them having to throw more um, since they will be behind. I I don't think they'll be winning this game. Right. Um, so you like to like to see that you want to, you want defenses against teams that have a high passing potential high passing volume. Right. Um, then the Ravens is another obvious choice. I mean, you have Andy Dalton who can be a walking turnover sometimes, and um, but the other choice at Seahawks. Um, I mean, you just saw Baker have four turnovers. Um, yeah, and we just talked about the offensive line, and that's the thing yeah. you want to target too. And, yeah. And Clowney could have a field day, get some sacks. But one of the, the, the non-obvious choices that I wanted to highlight were, I mean, if you want to play the Redskins, not the worst play, but I probably <laughs> won't be playing. But I think the, tit- the Titans could be an interesting play. Um, I think they can really stop the, the, the rush, and that's Denver's best asset or mm-hmm. best offensive well, wave attack. And... If you can force Flacco to throw, um, you're better off doing that. And I think the Titans 
have a very favorable matchup um, against the, the Broncos. Okay, I like that one. That's a sneaky one. I like it. Steve, do you see any, um, or do you agree with any of Brad's, and do you see any 20 to 30 point defenses this week? Uh, those were the exact same five hours. <laughs> really? Uh, Even the Titans? Oh, yeah. Titans that one, were, I didn't have Titans on my list. That's... Yeah. Wow. Heard it here first. Play the Titans. There you go. Great. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, you know, I think I I actually like the Titans maybe to be the the one that does go off for that, you know, 30 is a stretch, but that 20-some point day because I feel like uh, – you know, for the reasons that Brad mentioned, uh, I think I think Denver, if they can't run the ball, they can't do anything. Um, and I think Flacco is he's played a little better these last two weeks, these last two games uh, versus the Jags and and Chargers, which I I was shocked because I thought both those defenses would make him embarrass him a bit more, uh, and he still. Had, three turnovers in those two games combined. So I feel he's actually due to for positive turnover, you know, like <laughs> negative turnover regression or positive. If you're picking the Titans, um, I feel this could be like a three turnover game for him. Um, three to four turnover game for him. So, you know, if the Tennessee can get ahead and their offense functions, which can be a big if, uh, and they jump out to like a two, three score lead, um, I think the Titans could have a field day. So uh, that is definitely a sneaky pick, I feel like. And the Cowboys are the easy pick because, as Brad mentioned, like even with Darnold, the Jets' offense was anemic week one versus the Bills. Darnold's not 100%. He's got to be rusty. And, you know, I think Adam Gase is one of the worst coaches in the league. So uh, I think Dallas, they got a good pass rush to get quick linebackers. I can see them making a lot of big plays in this game. Well, two things. One, I'm sorry that my dog is a maraca and making all this noise. Um, and uh, he's he's just shaking around right now. So I apologize for that. And two, if the Titans defense goes off, I'm going to isolate this and, and share it to show how sharp you guys are because great minds think alike. <laughs> that was great. Um, well, before we sign off, Brad, any closing thoughts for this week? Um, I think we should start having an over-under on the time of when uh, we hear a nice little uh, music tune in the background with uh, with, with Riggs, Riggs yeah. there. It's yeah. Riggs, yeah, my dog Riggs. Okay, yeah, so we'll start at an over-under. He always waits till the end. He really does. <laughs> it's, it's uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, he's, any closing like, thoughts? He's like the Oscar music wanting, wanting <laughs> to get a <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Steve, any, any closing thoughts for this week? Um, you know, I, I think there's not a lot of great matchups this week. Uh, you know, we highlighted a couple, the 49ers-Rams, uh, the Houston-Kansas City. Those are two really big matchups that I'm looking forward to watching. Uh, there are a couple other uh, interesting ones. I think that Philly-Minnesota game is uh, going to be interesting. You know, we've seen... Both those teams look really good at times. Both those teams look really bad at times. Uh, you know, will one of these teams really show up? Because as I mentioned before, the NFC playoff race, I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy to talk about this early in, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tight race. Um, 
you know, this wild card, these types of matchups, these head-to-heads are, are going to be huge. So that that's a, a game that people might not talk about a ton this week, but come week 16, whoever loses that game is going to be probably kicking themselves. They lost this game. So sure. uh, that, that should be a fun one to watch as well. Uh, another matchup that isn't between good teams, but I think if uh, Atlanta loses, Dan Quinn might not have uh, the right set of keys on Monday morning. Oh, nice. Uh, I was going to ask if you were going to use the key line. <laughs> yeah, got to throw that in there. I agree. You think? You think he'll, though? Uh, I mean, if, after this week? if he's losing to the Cardinals, oh, yeah. That's, he's, that's pretty rough. He's also supposed to be like kind of a defensive head coach, and he just gave up 53. I don't, yeah. I mean, Deshaun yeah. Watson's really good. Not offense can be explosive, but. That's still fifty three points. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean their their point differential is one of the worst in the league. Not not surprising given their um, you know their record, but for given the offensive weapons that they have and his defensive prowess, the fact that they are negative fifty point differential that's only second. Excuse me, in the NFC behind the Redskins, and that's fourth in the league behind. The Dolphins, Redskins, Bengals, and then them. So wow. fourth worst. So you know that's that's uh, real bad. That's really bad. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, another fun show. We'd like to thank everybody for listening. We hope you can help us grow. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, be sure to subscribe um, so you can get notified for new shows. Um, we wouldn't. We'd love for you to also um, uh, review it and rate it. Hopefully five stars. And share it with friends. Um, so anyways, before my dog signs us off, uh, I'll, I'll sign us off and say enjoy football this week. Um, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.